What up, podcast world? This your dude, Walt Lee Dundilla, the popper, Mr. Active Valley. Pull up on me, 1809 Vine, 8600 Ward Parkway, or yes, I'm KC.com. At Lifted KC, we aim to reduce the stigma associated with mental health by promoting awareness of mental illness, its symptoms, and providing resources for those in need. We believe that through trust, relationships, understanding, service, and teamwork, transformation is possible. Support the Men Heal movement by donating to the Cash App handle LiftedKCOrg. For more information about our organization, visit www.liftedkc.org. Lifted KC, transforming lives through hope and healing. Encourage, 
uplift, and provide our audience with tools and resources that have helped some of us maneuver in our day-to-day routines. While some of our panelists do have experience and specialize in the mental health industry, we are all everyday people trying to get by just like you. So always remember, no matter what you may be going through, you are not alone. It's gonna take plenty of courage to see this thing through. But I have faith in us, ladies and gentlemen. Again, welcome everyone. I hope we heal. All right, so let's get into it. This is episode one of the Blacked Out Couch Podcast. And in case you didn't know, this show will not be co-ed. And what that means is each episode will focus on a specific gender group. One for the brothers and one for the sisters. Now, let's be honest. There's a lot of pain and division between black men and black women in our community. And honestly, before we can truly begin to fix us as a whole, we need to have some accountability conversations amongst our own peers, uninterrupted, unfiltered, raw, and uncensored. So tonight, it's all about the brothers. Fellas, y'all ready to do this? Let me see who I got on with me, man. Who I got on this couch tonight with me. All right, give me a second. Let me get everybody in here. Okay, okay, okay. Who we got out here? All right, so listen, man. Uh, tonight is our first episode, man. So uh, I think that we, I think it's appropriate that we do uh, some lightweight introductions to see who we got on the couch, who's joining us tonight on this journey. Uh, so I'll start off with with my brother. Uh, you know, I just go in order of everybody that I see on the screen. So I see my man Marcus. Uh, my brother Marcus is, you know, me and Marcus, we go way back, man, to college days. Uh, very good brother, man. Uh, Marcus, if you wanted to give the people a little bit about your background and who you are, uh, go ahead and do that right now. Hey, family, how are we doing? Marcus Freeman here, uh, associate pastor of a local uh, ministry uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And uh, yeah, that's all I got for right now. All right, brother Marcus, we're going to do our temperature check. Uh, on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your mental health today? Uh, today, I'll say I'm around an eight. Oh, that's good to hear. Sounds like you're in good spirits. Why are you at an eight today, brother? I uh, believe it's my faith and hey, not uh, letting anything hold me back, controlling what I can control. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, for sure. For sure. All right. So uh, we'll move, we move right along. All right. Next to my brother, Marcus, we got brother Burt Rogers. Uh, brother Burt Rogers is, is a brother that I met through some networking on social media. Uh, and he's actually a professional in the mental health industry. So, Brother Burt, if you want to unmute your mic and uh, give us a little bit of spiel about who you are and what you do. Uh, yes, uh, I'm Burt Rogers, a mental health therapist. Um, I have been in the field now for over a decade now. Um, I work predominantly with trauma and gun violence. Um, I see teenagers and um, adults between the ages of you know, from 13 all the way up to to 90 plus uh and i'm yeah. a part of a group practice called midtown psychological services and i've been there for the last ooh, man since 2015 i've been with uh contracting with ad hoc group against crime as a therapist uh, since 2014. all right and brother sure. bird we're gonna go ahead and do a temperature check uh on a scale of one to ten how would you rate your mental health today mm, today um Today it's hovering around eight, eight point five. Uh, the the eight is looking more eight-ish because I watched Snowfall last night. No spoilers, and um, 
<laughs> so stressful, man. <laughs> so stressful. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, on the on the flip side, though, I, I got an opportunity to um, to hang with my daughters tonight and have some uh, some video game time. We play Mario Brothers, and then I got a chance to uh, I got a chance to go running, boxing, and lift some weights today. So I'm I'm actually in real good spirits. I had the energy today to get moving around. I really love that kind of stuff. That's good to hear, man. Glad to hear you had an A today. Appreciate for that. Sure, for sure. See y'all too. It's always good to see y'all. Damn right. Damn right. For sure, man. It's good to be here, man. Like I said earlier in the, in the introduction, man, it does. It takes a lot of courage to do uh, what we've all agreed to do and, and, and come together uh, to kind of kick this movement off, man. So I do appreciate uh, seeing y'all on the camera every time that we do check in with each other and chat. Uh, we're going to move right along. So I got my man down at the bottom of the screen, my man G Don. Uh, G Don is another brother that I met through some social media networking. Uh, my brother, do you want to uh, give the people a little bit of a background or introduction and in, in who you are, what you do, brother G Don? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm just um, just a guy who believes in uh, mental health. You know, like I always say, you need to quit being a bitch and go to therapy sometime. You know, damn right. And it ain't always about whatever you think it is. Sometimes it's just to be about the man in the mirror who need to go do some healing. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, that's what I believe. That's what I preach. And that's what I advocate for. All right, G Don, uh -huh. we're going to do a temperature check. So on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your mental health today? Big dog. Yeah, I'm like at a four. Uh Oh, talk to us. Mm -hmm. Now I'm a, uh, if it's cool, I'm a hold off until uh, all the rest of everything else is done. But I'm a, I'm, cool. I'm a share. That's cool. Okay, for sure. For sure, right on. All right, well, look, man, G-Don, bro, I definitely appreciate you uh, joining us tonight, man, and, and uh, just just supporting the movement overall in general. You was one of the first people, bro, that I, that I thought about, man, when, uh, when we came up with this project and this podcast, and it was definitely because of that tagline, man, because that's how I met you. You hopped in the clubhouse room and uh, you said that this is the model that you live by. And a lot of black men, a lot more black men should kind of take this sort of an attitude towards their mental health. And you said, quit being a bitch and go to therapy. And that stuck with me for, for forever, man. So ever since, man, uh, definitely, man, welcome. Glad that you're here. Uh, let's move right along. My man, uh, Zaire, is the next brother on my list, on my list, man. Now, that's my nephew, man. Met Zaire through some social media channels, and uh, you know he's definitely an icon in the town. So, uh, Zaire, do you want to talk to the people and uh, give anybody a little bit of a background about what you do? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, I'm big on mental health. You know, like I said, I'm. I went through a lot of traumatic situations in regards of like losing my mother, but as I got older, I, I learned to adapt to a lot of things. You know, so. I'm I'm currently good, you know what I'm saying. So I'm big on mental health. I, I'm one thing y'all don't know about me. I joke a lot, so you know what I'm saying. And joking pretty much helps me. It's it's my medicine, you know. So it's definitely my medicine, and I'm I'm honored that my aunt, you know what I'm saying, asked me to get on here. So it's, it's out of respect. It was it was a privilege that he got me on board. So. I appreciate opening up and sharing my stories with you fellas. That's what's up. That's what's up. So let's do a temperature check on you, Zaire. 
On a scale of one to ten, how would you rate your mental health today? I'm at an 8.5. Today was very much so productive. I got a lot of things done, you know, and I was I was like a little kid at Christmas tree ready for this whole meeting to occur. So it's it's definitely, you know what I'm saying? I appreciate everything that's going on. So I said at 8.5. It could be better, you know, but we're gonna settle with that for the moment. Nah, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's 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 high. That's up there. So it's good to hear. For sure, for sure. So uh, I, I'll go ahead and, and uh, introduce myself. I think I might have forgot to do that at, at the top. Um, and, um, you know, a lot all of you brothers know me. Uh, a lot of our audience might not know me uh, as the name I'm going to introduce myself as tonight. But, you know, a lot of folks know me as Holly Ride. Uh, but uh, with this project, I'm, I'm taking the mask off. So Holly Ride is not going to be joining us for any of these sessions. Uh, I will be going by my government name, which is Rodney Lee. Uh, a lot of brothers call me Rod. So, um, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm a co-owner in Angela Marie Publishing, uh, which, you know, uh, thankfully and uh, as a blessing uh, with all of the many blessings that we get, man, we came up with this project, the Blacked Out Couch podcast uh, as a company. And, uh, you know, I started reaching out to some of my brothers in the community uh, to kick this thing off. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a writer and an author first. Uh, but I'm also a co-owner in a publishing company, and this is this is one of the the uh, the different brands that we have up under the umbrella. So um, you know, I'm real great. To, I'm real happy to be here, man. I'm I'm um, real excited about getting this project off the ground, brother Robert. We definitely need to do a temperature check on you. So on a scale of one to ten, uh, where would you rate your mental health at today? Oh man. Today, man, I think I'm probably at about a 7.5. Um, and uh, I know I know I need to explain why. So um, on, on the high end, you know, my spirits are really high because it's been a very productive day. Um, I had a very productive uh, week overall, uh, just in preparation for this project as well as other projects. Uh, so work, uh, you know, a lot of times it, it, it you know, keeping you busy. Uh, keeps your, your spirits a little bit up because you, you, your adrenaline is going. Uh, on the lower end, uh, like my brother Bert said, uh, last night's episode of Snowfall stressed me out. Uh, now, by the time this episode airs, we will be done with the series. We'll have the last episode uh, aired and done by the time this airs. But at the time of this recording, you know, that episode did kind of stress me out a little bit. And uh, just overall in general, man, just, you know, the day-to-day, uh, things that, you know, I deal with and process emotionally and mentally uh, is always going to keep a balance. So even when my spirits are up through the roof, uh, there's always going to be something that kind of keeps me balanced and grounded. Uh, you know, just thinking about life and the journey and some of the things that's that's always constantly on my plate. So um, with that being said, with that being said, we'll, we'll, we'll now turn the floor over to my man, Gang Tight Mike, who has is, who is done a wonderful a uh, fantastic job tonight on the temperature check. Game tight. Did you want to tell the people about who you are and what you do? Sure, sure. I mean, if you don't know, uh, I'm Game Tight Mike, uh, CEO of Four Ways Entertainment. You know, um, been in the business in the rap rap game here in the, in the KC area for a long time now. Um, so, you know, I was I was asked by you know Brother Rod to join this project um, just for some some mental awareness. And, and personally, you know, I I, uh, I have a lot to share when it comes to, to mental awareness because, you know, um, 
as you will learn through this podcast, um, I've been I've been through a lot. I've been through a lot of traumatic experiences and, and things that that uh, have affected my mental health over time. So this is a good space for me to join in at and uh, be a part of. So glad to be here. For sure, man. For sure, man. I definitely, man, appreciate you uh, tapping with tapping in with us, man. You know, me and you, we go way back. By a little bit over a decade, man, and you always been like a big brother to me, man. You always been like family, so uh, definitely had you in mind for this project as well. So uh, let's 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 get into it then, man. We we did the introductions introductions. We've done the temperature check. Um, this first episode, um, you know, and again, we'll you know the way that this podcast is designed, uh, we'll do you know a, a panel of men. The women have their own panel. We don't have anything to do with that panel. I'm not even sure who's on the panel for the women uh, because, you know, the energy behind this project is we want to keep uh, our conversations as, as separate as they need to be uh, until they don't need to be separate anymore. So uh, tonight's podcast is going to be for the man, episode one. And the title of tonight's show is uh, Why Don't Man Show Emotion? So let's just kind of kick. Let's let's kick it off, man, and, and, and get into that co- to that conversation and to that discussion. Uh, first and foremost, you know, I'll be the first one to say it, man. And the whole question, uh, you know, behind the title, why don't men show emotion is really just a bunch of bull. It's a bunch of bullshit. Right. Am I right or wrong, fellas? Because we we do, in fact, show a lot of emotion. Um, you know, I think that we all can can agree. Uh, the brothers here in this in this room, I think that we all can agree that uh, society, um, you know, does a good job of suppressing black boys emotionally and mentally at a very young age right so you know we we, we do grow up uh in society in our day-to-day routine we do kind of get used to uh not expressing not displaying emotion you know not wearing our feelings on our shoulder uh but the fact of the matter is we do show a lot of emotions in a lot of different spaces in our own ways so uh i want to kick the question off um since i do think that we all agree that black boys are suppressed at an early age I'll kick the question off, and anybody that has uh, uh, an opinion or, or answers on this, uh, just just jump right in. So the first question will be: uh, When does that disconnect usually start uh, for for young black males in our community? Yeah, I say like four or five. Might even be a little bit younger. You know, mm. uh, start off with the the man ups and you know the usual stuff like that, but particularly for us because we tend to be from an impoverished community or you might have, you know, somebody in the family who's living on that other side of the track life. It's like, oh, you gotta, because you're already seeing so much at a young age, you almost have to, the people the people who are rearing you and raising you, they kind of have to instill that in you just so they can maintain everything else around them. You know, I, I've uh, healed and developed and, you know, worked out my relationship with my parents. But, you know, growing up, I had uh, a situation where, you know, I had a father who was an addict. Now, he wasn't uh, walking the streets addict. He was a functioning addict. But, you know, he was still an addict. And it came with all the addict tendencies. So, thinking about my mom and her dealing with from what she went through as a child and both of them just trying to figure out life you know what i'm saying and just 
loving each other, loving God, but still trying to figure it out. And then juggling two kids and work and you know all the other complexities of life. Sometimes it's just like be a man, little boy, you know, even though this is a child or baby, it's like be a man, hold that in until this or that, or you know, until the moment passes, and then we can keep it pushing. But sometimes when you don't have a plan for the future, you don't realize how when you stifle somebody or stifle a child, how that could affect them long term because you're just trying to make it through the day. Now mm-hmm. you get some grace on that, but I don't mean it ain't fucked up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh anybody else? Uh brother G G died, you know, he threw it out there, man. He said it starts as, as early as as at a, age five. Um I, would anybody agree or disagree with that? I actually do agree. I actually do agree, especially if you're if you're coming from a, a a strong black foundation of a family, you know, like a mother, like my mother, prime example, God rest her soul. Um, she always used to tell me, "Don't be a bitch, man." Up. You know what I'm saying? Just you, you know what I'm saying? In this world, nobody's gonna feel sorry for you. So it's just like okay. As I got older, I started to really realize that as as much. So, uh, so Rod, I can. This is Marcus. I can go ahead and, and interject a little bit. Um, okay. While we're waiting on Z to to get back in, um, it you know that's uh, I want to say that's kind of a trick question because it kind of it depends on your surroundings. Uh, mm-hmm. Those that were. You know, uh, your siblings, your parents, uh, your kin folks, you know, those that are in your neighborhood, it, it all depends. So, uh, you know, we we hear four or five, but it actually may be a little bit sooner than that. Um, mm. and, and one of the reasons I say it depends on those that are in your surroundings, uh, simply because depending on the age, they could already see something that's in you. And mm. they kind of know what you're going to be facing out in your environment and so forth and so you know we use the word we use the word suppress uh i don't want to use that i don't see that as a negative term most times it is but i don't want to use that as a as a negative term because it could just be be uh preparation for what you do have Mm. to deal with in the upcoming future Mm. go ahead go ahead gt now, I was gonna say I, I agree because I was gonna say um, I, I think it, uh, the demographic has a, a lot to do with it as, as well. I mean, I know um, you know back as far as I can remember, you know the the where I come from in my neighborhood and in my family, you know the weak get eaten alive, and you know you get bullied, you get mistreated, you get talked to uh, inappropriately. So um, it was a must that you didn't show signs of weakness and that you, uh, as they say, man up, you know, uh, don't cry, don't shed any tears. And uh, so, you know, like I say, back as far as I can remember at, at a very young age, you know, it starts. And I think, you know, I can speak that for, for most of us, you know, that came up in those rough demographics of, of where we come from, you know, and some of the demographics not as rough. They didn't have to go through some of those circumstances. You know, maybe that's not instilled as 
as much as it was in us. I mean, yeah. Now, uh, start, start Berg, if you did you, yeah, if you wanted, if you wanted to chime yeah. in, go ahead, bro. Yeah, it, it starts younger. It I, starts. It starts with the like what's modeled. It starts with you know what kind of traumas your folks came in with too as well, and then you get socialized to not having like emotions or which ones you don't show because we have them. We just don't have we not we don't get reinforced in terms of how they're shown. So I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you guys, I'm I'm born to a you know rough neighborhood. You know, had some addiction on both sides of the family. You know, and it was very much out in the open. So when it comes down to like how you know, what we were raised to show, I mean, we weren't raised to show like, oh, well, I'm having a rough day. I'm going to be sad about that. Like, it, it wasn't discussed that way. So these emotions weren't necessarily allowed. And then when you go out into the collective, you're seen as like, oh, so you, you, you weren't pissed off about this. You didn't show up this way. That means you soft. And I think a lot of times we get conditioned into like not showing those, not only by our environment, but also by our peers too as well. So, I mean, like in terms of like why we don't show emotion, and I think there's a point to what Marcus is talking about too. Um, the idea of like, I'm preparing you for a world that won't allow you to be soft. It won't allow you to actually feel those emotions. I mean, when's the last time you sat with your guys? I mean, I, I am kind of a therapist, but when's the last time you sat with your guys and said, how you doing, fella? Well, I just feel sad and I can't really figure it out. Like, I hope we get yeah. a chance to do that, but it's not necessarily reinforced. You know, I think that yeah. placing spaces like this allows us to have, you know, more times where we can actually sit down and take that armor off and just say, hey, I'm, I'm feeling kind of shitty today. And this is why, or this is how. And I think that like that that conditioning that we get, their survival tactics, I would argue trauma survival tactics, we, we not only come into a into an environment that is, you talk about anybody who grew up in the 30s, the 50s, the, you know, any hood here in Kansas City, you gotta have armor to survive that. And you better be ready to fight. Yeah. So with yeah. that, with with that, you don't get the opportunity to take that armor off and like actually right. feel the sense of like, yeah, this is fucked up. Right. Um. So you know, you brothers all bring up a real uh, interesting dynamic, and uh, I just want to you know make sure I'm following it right. Um, what we're saying is, for young black boys. Uh, like Marcus, you know, alluded to brother, brother Rogers, you also spoke about this, uh, preparing you for the world that you have to, that you have to live in. So I believe that what we're speaking of is a dynamic of, uh, there's two different Americas, Americas that, that we grow up in, you know, as black people, um, uh, versus, versus, you know, some of our other peers, right. Uh, you know, outside of our race, uh, there's, there's, there's just a different set of rules. There's a different, um, uh, you know, different dynamic of the way that you're going to be treated, uh, not only by your peers, but, but by other groups as well. So you, you guys, what it, what it sounds like we're, we're, we're speaking to is the concept of uh, sort of uh, hardening your outside layer uh, as a young boy. And sometimes, like Brother Marcus said, sometimes that's not uh, with negative intention. Is that the way that I'm understanding this? Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's malicious. Oh my fault, Marcus. No, go ahead, bro. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I don't think it's malicious. I don't I don't think I mean I think I've seen some cases where it was malicious, you know, it was intentional. But I think that our communities were preparing. I mean, like we, we talk a lot about snowfall, but that that kind of space really did exist. Like 
if you came, if you of a certain age, you came of age when you know hoods was you know shooting at each other. We talking about like being ad hoc. We talking about a climbing murder rate here in Kansas City. People, even if you're not off the porch, you still exist in that community. So there are certain things you have to be aware of in order to survive in said communities. So the skill set we have to use to navigate that space is a whole, whole lot different than what you're gonna see in some other suburbs here, even in the city. Like there are things that you and I have to worry about that folks from other hoods don't have to worry about. I mean, some folks don't even like, I don't know myself, I rarely even like, you know, pull into my parking spot. I'm backing in so I can pull out. Like that's something you don't yeah. that's something you don't necessarily think about. That's so wild. Like, like, why are you doing it that way? Or I, I even if I'm going over a friend's house, I'm, pro- I'm not gonna sit outside your spot and just sit there and wait for you to come outside. I'm circling the block while you're mm-hmm. inside, wait till you come outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But and again, like we don't talk about like what mental effect that has on us. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so for me, man, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't think that I disagree. I do think that it, it does start at a very early age. I think some of the uh, some of the habits that that I picked up along the way, I can't even trace trace them. Right. I can't trace them back to like, where did I even fucking learn this? Like, like, you know, where did I learn how to speak like this? Where did I learn, um, you know, some of the ins and outs, you know, uh, black folks, man, we got a lot of, uh, you know, hood hacks. We got a lot of, uh, you know, secrets uh, that we use to be tactful, to get by. And it feels like, you know, I was born or came into the world with a lot of those dynamics, but I know that that wasn't the case, right? You had to learn it from somewhere. So what that tells me is, you know, we learn a lot of this at a very, very early age. Um, but, you know, a lot of you all already answered this, right? You know, I think the next question on the list was who teaches you that, right? Who teaches you that, you know, boys don't cry, that, you know, you you, you can't be soft, you know, you got to you, you, you got to walk and you got to talk a certain way. You don't let people pick on you. Um, a lot of you all say that that starts with the parents. Um, but again, I don't I don't necessarily remember uh, where some of the origins was for me. But what I do remember at a young age is that some of that behavior I did pick up from, you know, some of my older cousins, some of my uncles, um, you know, some some of the other kids in the neighborhood. You pick up on those things at a very young age. And for me, that's that's who I can trace it back to. Not saying that, that you know, there wasn't any of it coming from my parents. It's just that I don't, you know, when I think back, as far as I can remember, I think about older cousins. I think about uncles. I think about other kids in the neighborhood uh, that I grew up in. So who would you guys say, if you haven't already answered that question, who would you say uh, introduced you to, to, to sort of this harder dynamic that, that we grow up with it. Uh, for me, I can say without question, it was my uh, father and my older brother, you know, just, mm. you know, growing up, uh, my pops is uh, from Compton and not like LA, like nigga went to Compton High. So, mm. you know, everything that was going on uh that that was going on there eventually made his way here you know the gangs the colors all of that and so he started arming me and my older brother and you know my older brother being you know uh stewardess older sibling just reinforcing you know lessons he learned from the father 
And yeah, I, I could say it, it definitely came from them. And it was more so uh, as a way of self-preservation. It wasn't as mm. a way of, you know, I, I can say wholeheartedly there was no malicious intent behind it or any type of, you know, there might, there might have been some selfishness here and there as far as like, hey, contain yourself because if you go crazy, you're going to be the straw to bring the camel back. Yeah, things like that happen, but, you know, that's kind of par for the course. Essentially, it was done as a way of self-preservation, you know, look out for this type of nigga, look out for that type of nigga, watch out for a nigga that do this. If a nigga do that, hey, watch that nigga, don't be around, you know, and or a situation like this happens, stay in your square, stay calm, stay cool, you know, you can't control everything, control yourself. It, but in the midst of that, it wasn't processed what you're feeling, which is what the message should have been delivered. It was mm -hmm. don't feel nothing. So in an attempt to mm -hmm. teach me not to overreact, I was taught to not react instead of react properly. So, yeah. Man, you know, um, my, you know, I, I thought I just thought of another question, man. I mean, I, and that's probably gonna be the case, man. So forgive me if I if I jump off track. Um, but just going back to what you guys said, you guys are saying that you don't believe that there was malicious intent, um, and and uh, that it wasn't necessarily negative. It was more so for for, for preparation. Um, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that from my aspect as far as where I can as far back as where I can remember. Um, I do believe that. Um, some of the uh, the teachings, some of the uh, the things that were embedded in me at a very young age as a young boy were with malicious and negative intent. Uh, you know, when I think about my peers, I think about some of the other kids in school and some of the other uh, guys in the neighborhoods that, you know, me and some of you know my family members stayed in. Um, all of that shit was negative. When I when I think about, you know, just the whole introduction to uh gang culture for instance we brought up gang culture right um yes you know that is something a dynamic that that as a young black male uh you do need to learn about and be taught about um for preparation you know so if you're getting that sort of knowledge or game handed down from your parents with good intention for instance that may come off differently than when you're exposed or introduced to it outside of you know your parents supervision right you know when you're on the school bus or when you're in the classroom or in the hallways uh, or in the neighborhood at school it, it, it was just a different type of energy in terms of uh being introduced to it because a lot of it is not uh friendly teaching a lot of it is you learning the hard way right uh so real real, real funny story um not really funny man but but it's just something that i uh rarely talk about but you know, um, I'm, I'm here in St. Louis now, and this is where my mother's family is from. So uh, my father's family is from Kansas City. My mother's family is from St. Louis. So I've always been back and forth throughout the years. Right. Um, my mother passed away in 93. And uh, and at that point, they moved us permanently back to Kansas City to be with the father, my father's side of the family. Uh, when we moved to Kansas City, at that point, I was 14. Uh, coming from St. Louis, um, you know, the gang culture had already made its way to Missouri. So I was, you know, quite familiar with Crips and Bloods and, and how all of that worked. Right. Um, you know, when I when we moved to Kansas City, my grandmother stayed down on 12th Street. 
So she was in the projects and, you know, uh, anybody that's familiar with the town, 12th Street, you know, that's that's a crib hood. Right. Um, you know, when I when I got to Kansas City, man, I never forget um, my grandmother and my father. They had just bought me these these sandals because it was the summer. So it was these Reebok sandals that were all black, but the lettering and the logo was red. Right. So I, I put on the sandals and, uh, you know, I go outside to, you know, just hang out. You know, in the, I'm in the projects. Now, I'm new to Kansas City at this point. I've always been back and forth. But as far as the gang culture, I don't know which hood is what. I'm familiar with it because I'm 14 at this point. So I don't know that, you know, I'm walking out with this red on my shoes into a crib hood. Right. Nobody approached me and said anything friendly. Nobody was trying to teach me or prepare me. They approached me with aggression and 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 it was a confrontation, you know. So so when I think about those sort of dynamics, um, even though you do learn those lessons and uh, sometimes, you know, it doesn't always resort to violence or, or, or negative behavior. But the energy in itself, I, I wouldn't say that it wasn't without any sort of malicious intent or if, if, if I had to say anything, uh, my takeaway is. It's a lot of shit that we shouldn't be exposed to as such, as such an early age. And uh, when I, you know, when we, when, as we get to talking, man, that's 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 what I go back to. I go back to some of those interactions where it didn't feel like it was just friendly preparation. Does that make sense? Am I making sense from with, with, with that? <laughs> you, you want me to speak, brother Rogers? Uh, I, I got something for that. No, I got something for that because you're right. You're right because like mm-hmm. some, some some stuff ain't ain't coming in friendly like it's not gonna be a scenario where somebody pulls you gently to the side and say hey you might want to take off your royals gear you in the 30s now yeah. like you, you take all that yeah. off like there, no one's gonna approach you calmly and coolly and collectively like collectively at that time and like had that kind of conversation with you and um i guess in that situation man what nuance I, I see is like i think from a from a rearing standpoint i think about like my older my older cousins who took one look at me at, you know, six, seven years old, was like, keep your ass in the house. And they were all off the porch yeah. and the form. And I, and I see it now, I see it as love, man. Like that, that really kept me out the way of some shit that I really could have got into when I was younger that really kept me safe. I think of one story, you're talking about sharing story. I remember at one point I uh, came downstairs, my sister was somewhere in high school and uh, she had came home and I was coming downstairs. I had on like a all red, just from the, from the shoes all the way up in uh, some Chiefs gear, and she had a blue dress on. And I said, "What's up with all that blue?" Cause she was like, <laughs> "He literally grabbed me." <laughs> My sister grabbed me. Was like, "Get your ass over here! Sit down! What the hell are you talking about? Don't you ever yeah. say something. like?" And I think about yeah. that story a lot, man. I mean, I, I'm, t- I'm like, so sometimes like being snatched by the collar by somebody who says, "Hey, you don't have no clue what the hell you're talking about," like. Whoever's in your ear right now, and she knew she knew of stories that like my older older cousins had gotten into. Some guys did some time behind some work they put in back when I was a little guy, you know. And I think about that kind of stuff and talking about being held in community. Sometimes like the community is a little rough with folks who don't know no better coming from out of town. And I think that just held yeah. malicious intent. But I also think about the other end, man, where um I think um some folks who raised us honestly, truthfully didn't fucking know better like yeah i, th- I think about I, th- I sometimes think about when we think about like the more i learn about mental health the more i learn about trauma the the more i'm able to give some measure of grace of like yeah 
um, even me, you know, being the age I am with all the mental health treatment, not only I've helped folks with, but also received myself, man, like if I would have, if I would have tried to parent from that place before I got treatment, it'd have been a different ballgame. And if there was no treatment nearby, we're talking 30, 40 years ago, you know, there wasn't the same treatment they have now, the accessible they had yeah. then. And we can talk more about that when we get to the resourcing space, but like, yeah, yeah I mean, like, resources that are available now are a little bit different than they were when i was coming up so i mean i have I and and the energy the energy yeah, is is, is different now i think that our attitude is changing a little bit the fact that we're having this conversation tonight says a lot <laughs> about it <laughs> not nah, straight up uh, i'm just gonna say this real quick uh mental health yeah. always been around you know what i'm saying all when you when your it or your grandma always be like you're making my nerves bad or let me take my nerve yeah. pills she's talking about anxiety but they didn't yeah. want to come out and say it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. A lot. We went through a lot of transitions, I think, as a community. Um, and, and even, uh, like you said, Brother Rogers, the fact that, uh, you know, us black men, you know, we all men, uh, been in, been adults for a little while now, right? Um, and uh, this, this, we, we would have never imagined this, you know, 10 or 20 years ago, uh, we would have never imagined uh, even having the, the, uh, the willingness, right? Even being willing to do something like this um, and, and and talk about healing and trauma. So I do think there has been a lot of transition, uh, like you said, uh, Brother Rogers, in, in uh, the resources and uh, the attitudes. Uh, Brother Marcus, did you, you? I know we kind of cut you off. Did you yeah. want to jump in? No, and, so, and I, I, wanted, I wanted to give everybody their time. I wanted to give everybody their time. So the question, yeah, was, yes, who, the question was, who taught you this here? And so, mm -hmm. um, to, to kind of frame this, I'm the youngest out of seven kids. Uh, mm. So uh, in the area that I grew up in, uh, it was rough. You know, started drinking at 13, started carrying a pistol at 14, um, mm. started trying to commit suicide. Uh, failed, of course. I'm here with you now. But uh, several uh, times uh, failing at trying to commit suicide. Who taught me that? Uh, some things mm. are just embedded in your DNA. Uh, some things mm -hmm. come from your uh, generations before you that you may. And so uh, my my whole point in saying this and, and who taught you, some things are demonstrated. Some things are just on the inside of you. And until you start having these conversations, uh, the next generation won't know what they have to deal with. This is one of the mm -hmm. reasons that they ask for a history, uh, a medical history from your family. So you can kind of know some of the things that you, get, you have to fight with. Um, in my, uh, my father, single parent home. And so my grandfathers and, you know, some of the other, uh, men, they used to put their hands on their uh, wives or women. And mm. so, uh, fortunately that wasn't demonstrated to me. So I can't carry that on, but it let me know what I have to fight against. So in a marriage for successful marriage for 22 years, never stepped out, never even thought about putting a hand on her. Why? Because I know what I have to fight against. And so from your family that, history is what you what you mean. Family history. Yeah. Yeah. There's just some things, you know, and had I not learned that from some of my other siblings, uh, how would I I would know. And so yeah. uh, even though it was a harsh thing for me, I look at it as prep. And so it's a matter of how you see things. Now, I can be negative as all out those, <laughs> but I choose to be positive. I choose to have a sense of uh, uh, just being 
happy and not that everything in my life is happy, not that everything is going well, because it may not be, but I cannot put my hope in tangible things, uh, even in the sense of what my kids may do, what my children may do, etc., because it's more than self-preservation. It's about generational preservation. Mm. So uh, going back to who taught you this. Now, my son, let, let me back up for a little bit. You never seen a dog having a cat as a baby. You never That's seen right. a horse having a cow as a baby. Horses produce horses. Cows produce ho- cows. Cats produce cats. So real men will produce real men. Mm. My son, my children are being raised as leaders. Why? That's what that is. And so uh, my son, he expresses his emotions. We hug. We love on each other as young men and as a father and son. Uh, but we know that there are certain times that I cannot show my emotions out in the public. Why? You're a leader. So when and how do you cry? You cry when you're in the shower, Doc. Mm-hmm. You, sh- you cry when you're in the shower. Now, outside of funerals and all of these other things. Now, that's just me. Why do I believe in okay. that? Because as a leader, you have influence. Hey, you got people that are watching and following you. And you don't want your leader to always be spilling out their emotions <laughs> out mm. in front of everyone. Because it's, it's gonna, your card is going to get pulled on that. Does that kind of make sense? Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and so this, uh, well, this my is- question, my question will be uh, just to interject really quickly here um as far as being a leader and 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 kind of you know not showing your emotions in public mm-hmm. uh would you say that would you say that that's something that is more expected of men in general or is that more you know specific to black men i would i want to step out and say men in general okay i want to say men in general because we all have some sort of leadership off inside of us we, we have it now do we know how to utilize it no, even as a father, we can have we can have babies, but uh, having babies, being married, all of these things. It's funny that you got to have a license to know how to drive. Mm-hmm. You got to have a care. license to be able to carry. Well, you used to have to have a license to be able to carry a weapon. You don't have to have a license to have kids. That's right. You don't. But there, there should be something there to be able to teach on those things. But. I don't know how many people would take it, but I could say from myself it's needed because having babies, it doesn't make you any smarter when you have babies. If I was a fool before having kids, I'm going to be a fool after I have kids, if not even more of a fool. Okay. So I'll make total sense. That make total sense. You know, I've I've joked about that uh, in certain spaces where, you know, like you said, you know, you need a license for all these other things, but you can bring another human into the world, uh, without, without any sort of preparation for that. And, uh, I think that also speaks to, uh, some of the things that we've been, been talking about just in general, uh, when we talk about like, you know, who teaches you that, uh, brother Rogers talked about the concept of, um, you know, the older that we get, we, we've given grace to some of those that did raise us, uh, because they may not have had it all figured out. Like you said, the resources weren't there. Um, and, you know, the the the, the opportunity uh, for these sorts of spaces weren't there, especially for black men uh, traditionally. Like, especially when I think about some of my older uncles, uh, mm-hmm. my grandfather. Uh, man, my grandfather was one of the, 
my grandfather right now, man, God rest his soul. Um, if he was to walk into this room right now, he would scream as loud as he could at the top of his lungs, ask me, what the fuck am I doing? What are y'all on here doing? Talking about your feelings and your emotions and all that. He was one of those real traditional, don't ever show no emotions. Um, so, you know, I do remember uh, a lot of uh, sort of that um, that real belligerence, right? A lot of you brothers have known me in, in, in for a lot of years, man, and, and I've kind of had that reputation of being loud and belligerent. A lot of that I got from my grandfather because he was a real fucking hard edge, right? Um, but, you know, he came from that that generation of, of black men that uh, under, under no circumstances are you to display your feelings and your emotions, right? You know, out in public or in front of folks. Um, and so, you know, it's it's... It's a give and take, man, I think, man, like, you know, but I have learned to to, to give grace because I do think that uh, we've become a little bit more uh, mentally aware throughout the generations. And we definitely are more emotionally intelligent, uh, which is a term that I like to use. We are definitely more emotionally intelligent than those that raised us. So uh, I think that it's a choice for, for, for any of us. Everybody's parent parental situation was different. Uh, but for me and mine, uh, I have shown a lot of grace, even though I still do acknowledge uh, where a lot of my trauma and a lot of, you know, my toxic ways stem from. I've shown them grace. So that's just me personally. I don't know if that works for everybody else. You know, uh, I think people generally do the best that they can with what they have. People generally do the best that they can with what they have. Nobody's out here just trying to F up just off of GP. <laughs> that's not that ain't that ain't us man and that's you know some people that have gotten you know dealing with issues on drugs or whatever but man if people can get off of this stuff they would they doing the best that they can with what they know bro mm -hmm. well, hey um, because, go ahead game tight. i think I'm game sorry. tight game tight you muted i think you trying to speak go I ahead game tight. i was just saying playing with the cars they was dealt you know, sometimes you get a shitty hand, but you still got to play. Unfortunately. So, and you just speak, you speak of just in, in, in general, just maneuvering through through day-to-day -day routines and, and, and that sort of thing. That's what you're speaking to? He was saying, you know, people doing the best they can with what they have. And I'm yeah. saying, I'm agreeing, saying, you know, you're just playing the cards you was dealt. You know, and sometimes you get a real shitty hand, but you still got to play. Doing the best you can with what you got. Hey, and we still showing up. We still winning with the winning. hands we was dealt with. That's why I'm so positive. Right? You was talking about that, just that creativity. And I'm sorry, but I got excited because <laughs> you still find a way to win. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's that's what that's where like that courage and that uff come from. I don't care what situation you put a, a brother in. Man, if it's off in him, he's going to find a way to win, bro. He's going to find a way to link up and be able to be productive with what he has. Brother, I want you ever to apologize for being excited. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. I, I swear, we don't get enough opportunities to have joy, man. So if you tell if somebody, if I see one of my brothers excited about something, I'm all for it and all behind it. We don't get that opportunity. You know, and and that, and that bring me to the that bring me to the next question, man. Uh, the next question is, what are some of the things that we we tend we do tend to keep to ourselves as black men, right? And, and brother Rogers, you 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 led me right into it, man. One of those things is joy and excitement, right? 
Yeah. Um, for me, man, me personally, man, those that know me, my closest loved ones, those that get to see me day to day outside of social media and those spaces, right? Uh, I am the biggest fucking kid that you probably know, right? I am a nerd. I'm into Star Wars, uh, Game of Thrones, um, um, all of the things that, you know, that I hear that, you know, at a young age, because um, those are the things that you get made fun of for, right? People poke at you for, 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 for just, you know, being uh, sort of that, that nerd, that geek, right? Uh, so that was something that I hear for myself and as well as the excitement and the joy that I get, man. I'm telling you right now, if, if, if you know me um, and you know I'm a Star Wars fan, if you put me in a room with a couple of other Star Wars fans, you will see a different, uh, uh, you know, my whole face lights up, man. There's a different level of excitement there, right? Uh, but I have to watch who I'm doing that around, right? Because I'm just so used to it. That's one of the things that I do think for me, myself, personally, I keep to myself is sort of that giddy, uh, nerdy, kitty side uh, to me. That's really, truly authentic who I am on the inside. But that's that's one of the things for me to answer the question. So I'll turn the question back to you guys uh, and you can answer it personally or we can just talk about black man in general. Well, what are some of the things that we tend to, to keep from ourselves or to keep to ourselves as black men? I think it's mostly our, our emotions. Um, okay, elaborate on that, Z. Basically, when someone shows their emotions, you know, that shows basically a lack of masculinity. Mm. And to, to certain people, you know, from what you come from, let's say, um, let, me say let, me, let me think of a, a good way of just basically putting it in perspective. Take your time. And y'all can hear me, all right? For sure, for sure. Okay. Um, some people, you know, they falsely believe that men don't have feelings, so mm -hmm. that that they'll experience feelings to the same degree as women. You know, we all experience a wide array of emotions, and supporting them to talk about it. You know, men are less likely to talk about open about their feelings or because they're encouraged by society to tune into their sensitivity. So at times, you know, men tend to brush it off when they experience difficult feelings because they don't see an immediate solution. So it's like every time when you, you express your emotions about a certain thing, you know, it's like, oh, you're not supposed to do that. You, 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 that's lack of masculinity right now at, the point, at that point. So this is something that I've witnessed as, as I got older and whatnot. Um, just basically, you know, my, like my mother was, she, she, it was tough love basically coming from her. So she was like, you know, man up. Can't complain about anything. You have to be prepared for anything, for every outcome that comes your way. And in multiple obstacles standing in our way of opening up, you know, they have to announce a problem and admit it and find a new solution for it. So I'm pretty much as I get older, I'm getting better at more so opening up to a lot of things just because by you doing that, you never know who else you can help out. You know what I'm saying? It could be somebody just really down, you know what I'm saying? So you tell your story to someone else, it could be very much so pretty much how can I say it? Like, 
you can help somebody, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Like I, I think um, you, you, you brought up a real, uh, and I, I didn't mean to cut off anybody, but I'm, I'll be real quick. I promise. Uh, but you, you brought up a real good point where you said that uh, you know society thinks that men don't show emotions or that we don't have feelings, uh, express feelings in the same way as women. And uh, you know, I've always been against sort of that notion of thinking because I think that uh, all humans are expressing emotions. And at all times, right? Uh, even even nonchalant, even unbothered, that's still an emotion, right? So you know, I think that we we we've kind of gotten that wrong as a society and concept in, in, in terms of what emotions truly are. I think uh, in our community, in our culture, when we say things like you know, get out your feelings or why you why why you so emotional, we saying it's sort of in a negative connotation where we're really referring to. Uh, you know, uh, we're really trying to, you know, calling you soft, right? You know, as man, yeah. we we calling each other soft, and you know, why you acting like, you know, I think, you know, when we were younger, we would say you acting like a bitch, right? Uh, you know, you acting like a female, just 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 because you are displaying some level of emotion, right? But you know, I've always believed that, you know, even anger, even uh, uh, you know, being extra hard and extra tough, those are all displays of emotions. I don't know if anybody agrees or disagrees with that. I definitely agree. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. You, the thought process I had as y'all were talking about it is you got to feel safe to display the vulnerable emotions though. Right. You got right. you got you got to feel you got to feel safe. There there are certain things that I didn't share or talk about, you know, with certain folks like uh, you know, as working with homicide survivors, I also am myself am a homicide survivor. I lost my brother back in 2007 to a homicide when he lived in Chicago. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, there were times when people would ask me how I'm doing. I would tell the biggest lie of all time, which is I'm hanging in there. I'm fine. When I was actually mm-hmm. falling apart. You know, I'm, I'm a college kid who just had my world ripped apart. So, you know, the, the thought process behind it of saying, like, you know, we often would tell people I'm fine. I'm cool. I'm all right. Mm-hmm. And often it's not necessarily a reflection of what we're actually feeling. It's more along the lines of like, do I feel safe to go into this story with you? You know, do I feel safe to mm-hmm. tell you exactly how I'm feeling? And I think a lot of times we talk about like that dynamic. I mean, I think as men, it is our responsibility to create a container for us to feel safe to talk about this kind of stuff. So I think, I mean, even retiring, like, you know, if we're being serious with each other about retiring words, like they'll call somebody soft or a bitch or whatever else because they're actually sharing like genuine emotion. I think what ends up happening is we end up isolating each other through that process because now you've got a bunch of guys who are feeling some real deep shit, but can't share it with, share with the guys they care about. You know, you can't share with the people mm-hmm. that you feel close to. So that's why we have guys who's like, I don't even know who's suffering that much. What happened to him? You know, mm-hmm. trying to tell y'all. We hear that. We hear that. We hear that far too often. Yeah, you know, sometimes they 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 pertain to making it into a joking matter, you know, like yep, and that's the that's really an issue in regards of that, you know. Hey, I know we got to take a break uh, here in a minute, uh, but I I believe we're we're we are selective with the emotions that we share, similar to what Brother Rogers mentioned. We're just selective on it, uh, mm-hmm. and then the other thing is, if you can't help me with what I'm dealing with. Why would I share it? Why would I share it? Why would I share it? Yeah, okay. You 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 know what, man? That's um we're gonna come back to that, man. So hold on to that note, man. Let's let's take a quick time out, man, and a breather. Um, and uh we'll 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 come back and uh and, and continue the discussion. Angela Marie Publishing presents 
in association with the Blacked Out Couch Podcast, The Healing Collection, featuring apparel with 10 unique designs to represent your healing journey in style. Also, check out The Survivor, our custom tote bag tailored for carrying those day-to-day loads. A portion of all proceeds are donated to mental health organizations dedicated to the culture and the community. Visit our store by clicking the link in the description or going to www.angelamariepublishing.com to shop now and support the movement. Let's heal. What's good? This is Jazz from 64111 Studio. Make sure you holler at me for all your mixing, mastering, and recording needs. For booking, please visit www.64111studio.com. All right, so we back. Um, the next question, man, and, and uh, Brother Marcus, you left us with a real empowering thought. Um, and, and so I, I'm, I'm going to get into that in, in, in a, a question or two. But the next question that I do want to ask everybody um, is our lack of showing emotion, you know, as, as young black men, as adult black males, is the lack of showing emotion, is that a weakness or is that a strength? Uh, I, I, I'll let you guys chime in on that. Is is the lack of showing emotional weakness or strength? What would you consider that? Well, I would go with something that I've learned along the way. I didn't learn this explicitly from therapy, but it's like something that came to me throughout, you know, beginning my sessions, is that there's no such thing as a bad trait. It's all about the intent and the direction that it's pointing in and going in. So, for instance, I'm always calm, cool, and collected. Now, the downside of that is when it's time for me to be happy and excited, I'm kind of just like, yeah, you know, having, you know, sitting there having a good time or whatever. But on the flip side, when it's the crisis going on, I'm calm, cool. I'm still calm, cool, and collected, and I'm able to navigate through whatever situation I'm in. So it's about taking whatever traits you have and make sure you're using it and applying it where it needs to be applied and how it needs to be applied. So, you know, the crux of my statement to get off my soapbox is there's no such thing as a bad trait at all. Mm. What are you doing with it? How are you using it? Are you directing it towards the right people? Et cetera. Okay. Anybody else? Is the lack of showing emotion a weakness or is it a strength? Context matters. That's what I say. Mm-hmm. Like, if, I, if you can see my hands, I can put my hands to a fist. A fist works just just fine in a boxing match. But I want to approach mm-hmm. somebody that I really care about or try to talk to them, reason with them, with a closed fist. That works great mm-hmm. in some context. So if I'm in a situation where I'm dealing, say, Man, private practice, I haven't had this experience, but like in, in a long time. But if I'm working with an agency and I'm sitting on a case and I have a really big reaction to something, if I'm not in a space amongst my people, I may not be safe enough to show that. I might be out my job in that situation. So I have to maneuver differently mm-hmm. based on the situation. 
But mm-hmm. in other context, absolutely, I'm going to share what, what I actually have. So I, I, I think I think we, we may lose something by wondering whether it's a strength or a weakness, but asking, is it in the proper, like my man, my man said, is it in the proper, is it in the proper context? Is it, is it a, there are no good or bad traits. Is it a scenario where we find ourselves needing to show that emotion to connect and be relatable and such? Because otherwise, we can find ourselves being cold and distant. You know, if we find ourselves mm-hmm. in this where it may not behoove us to be, to show every single emotion. It's kind of like, I think about the Godfather where he said, uh, never tell anyone what you're thinking. You know, sometimes that's helpful and sometimes it's not. It just depends on what context you're in. The, the tools we are given to survive are, are contextual. Like there are sometimes if I'm, if I walked in, if I walked in my house, my house on the thir- in the thirties and like didn't lock my door behind me, you know, you know, and didn't double lock it. That's a, that's an unsafe issue. But I ran to that yeah. same situation when I was in college and double locked my door behind my roommate was like, what the hell, man? Why did you double lock the door? Yeah. Man? Nobody here is going to rob you. And I was like, yeah. oh, shit. Like, <laughs> my man got a point. You had to remember where you're at. Yeah. Where, where, where you are. Like, so showing emotion, not showing emotion, it really does depend on the situation. Like, if I walk down my street at night, like, I'm not going to show, like, oh, I'm scared. I'm scared. Like, mm-hmm. if, you see me, if you see me walking down my street that I grew up on, like, oh, that's a robbery. That's, that's an immediate mm-hmm. robbery. Mm-hmm. But I'm, that's, that's, so it is contextual. Context, context, context is king. Context matters, mm-hmm. and and I think that's one of the uh, that's one of the shortcomings from us is not having that context. You know, mm-hmm. being emotional uh, out on the court is different from being emotional at work. Uh, I'm in a I'm in a position where I have a little influence with with bringing people on on uh, the customer service mm-hmm. realm, and we're not able to handhold you know, team members as they go through. Uh, so specifically, I look for people that will not panic uh, if things are not going according to plan, but can you adapt? And so, mm-hmm. uh, brothers, you mentioned, I, I love that, what you mentioned about context. Uh, context matters. Yes, context matters. Yes. And and um, that, that brings me to the next question. Um, this is a good question. Uh, I thought that was asked, and it's probably a rhetorical question. But the question is, what dictates how you receive my emotion? I think it's more of a question to society, right? Um, you know, you may be viewing, you know, my display of a particular emotion as a weakness or a strength from your point of view. But uh, what dictates, who, who, who the hell are you to, can, to, to dictate can, how my emotion is received? Can we define uh, society? Can we redefine society? Because is it truly society or is it our family members? Is it those that are within our surroundings that we deal with on a regular basis? Mm. Because mm. my those in Missouri, hey, my emotions may not matter. I'm in Texas right now. <laughs> but it does yeah. matter to my family that I'm with. You know, does that make sense? So no, can we does, redefine? Can we redefine, or um, can we be? Defended? Or maybe, 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 maybe we can put society into layers, right? There are those that are loved ones that you know that are in our circle, and they're part of our society, you know, our societal routine, right? Okay. Um, and then there are those that are strangers. There are those that you know are looking from the outside. So there are those that are you know. And, you know, you're in the club and then there's on the outside looking in. But I think mm-hmm. that both of those are just different layers to society. Right. 
Um, for me, when I hear that question, you know, what dictates how you receive my emotion? I'm asking that question to anybody that ain't me. Right. So I'd ask that question to, you know, my best friend and brother, just like I'd ask that question to a, to a stranger. And you know what? As a matter of fact, I've asked that question. Now, it doesn't sound as eloquent as, as I've put it, you know, tonight. Uh, but ultimately, I have asked that question, um, you know, because, you know, you, you may be in a situation with a close friend of yours and, you know, he's he's saying, you know, bro, why are you upset or, you know, or why are you tripping? And, 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 and I'll say, motherfucker, I ain't tripping. I'm not upset. And that's really the same question. Who the hell are you to tell me how the hell I feel on the inside? Right. So, you know, it's one of those things where, like you said, context does matter. Um, but, you know, I think that we I think that we'll do better as a society and as people, man, if, if we get to the point of mutual respect. Right. Um, you know, uh, I can receive or um, interpret uh, the way that you were coming at me in one way. But if, if, if you look me in my eye, especially man to man, and you say, hey, look, man, that's not the energy that I got, you know, you may have misinterpreted or misunderstood that, but that's not where I'm coming from. I think that we got to reach for us to be better. I think as men, we need to reach a level of, of, of mutual respect and understanding and, and not uh, thinking that we are all these experts on analyzing each other. Right. Uh, there's a such thing as misinterpreting the way that somebody is feeling. Oh, yeah. Beha behavior like behavior is just that behavior. Like there are many different reasons or interpretation you can make. Even as a clinician, I can look at someone and say, okay, well, this behavior is showing up here. So let's say, for example, if I'm talking to somebody and they start looking down like this. Now, could that be a shame reaction? Well, hell yeah, it could be. They're, they're now looking at the top of their shoes rather than making eye contact with me. But that may not be what's going on. So my question in general for that person or even in general is going to be, you know, from my experience, like, what type of time are you on? Like, what, is, what does that behavior mean? Like, what, is that, what does that behavior mean to you? And because I want to make sure I'm not misreading. And mm -hmm. I want to give that person space to explain themselves. Because we as black men, we don't get an opportunity to explain ourselves. We, ha right. we, just have to we just have to answer. We just have to show up. And I think that kind of like snapping into a situation ends up leading us to like be a bit defensive in certain situations. Where, yeah. where you say, oh, bro didn't look at me when he said this. He must be on some, some snake ship, something like that. Or he, he did That's X, right. Y, and Z, so it must mean that. And I think a lot of times, like, if we were to slow the situation down and say, hey, I see this, what did that mean? Because I'm, I'm unclear. So I, I'm, I, in some situations, I may very well say, like, you know what? I might be misreading the situation. Help me understand what that means. Because otherwise, because yeah. because our brains are really, really great at inventing like the sensations and everything else that comes up, the, the, the air we take in, the tension we feel, that happens within 0.3 seconds. Those are autonomic responses. But the storm mm -hmm. right afterward comes right after it. So that, we call them automatic negative thoughts. But they, that, that narrative gets written really, really quickly. And if it's based in trauma, it gets written in stone. Now it's changing. Because we... Well, sometimes we're, we're triggered. We jump to the wrong conclusion. We make the wrong assumption. Um, and and, and we never you never really know with the next person why they are behaving in a certain way. Our brain, with all due respect, can be asshole sometimes. It will grab the worst yeah. narrative, like the worst, the worst possible conclusion. And 
the flip side to it is meant to keep us physically safe. I tell people that that alarm bell in your brain that determines whether something is threatening or not, keep scoring one and zero. And it only does things like do from the hangover. It says, but did you die? Oh, you didn't die? Okay, yeah. we're going to do that again then. So what ends up happening is it takes the worst possible scenario and says, well, this person didn't, you know, didn't smile when they saw me. They must not like me. This person, you know, is talking with elevated voice. It must mean they're pissed off at me and they're going to come at me this kind of way. So our brain does the quickest thing necessary to keep us alive. It says, hey, prep the fight or flight. Prep the mm -hmm. shutdown. Prep all that kind of stuff to keep this organism safe. But it's actually, <laughs> our brain is running basically Windows 95, like actually like <laughs> Windows 95 hardware in a software that's like Mac from 2023. Like our, our, yeah. our dealings with the world are complex social interactions. And our brain only knows, yo, I got to keep this person safe. That's my only job. Mm. So the mm. emotions that come up sometimes can be, as we say in therapy sometimes, do those emotions fit the facts of that situation? Your emotions are always going to be valid in the sense that like you're experiencing them. But the mm -hmm. narrative right, may not be true. It may, I, 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 like, sometimes therapy is teaching folks to call bullshit on their own narratives and bullshit mm -hmm. on what is actually coming up for them at that particular in that particular moment. And it doesn't mean that you are dead ass wrong. It just means like you react. I mean, I kind of wonky sometimes. And it, it told me a story yeah. that's necessarily true. And I think that's why it's just as important for us as men to take some of this armor off. Because as we take this armor off, we can rely on other guys to actually fact check us and say, hey, bro, I think buddy over here, like, let's look, I'm going to use Rod, use an example. If I, if I walk to a space, I'm like, man, bro, Rod agreed with the same energy as last time. Um, What's up, a ride, bro? Rod, yeah. Who is that with you, man? Like he, he ain't got no beef with you. Like, oh shit, yeah. I was tripping. You know, right. it's, it's about it's like I said when I was talking about just the assumptions. We jump to conclusions and assumptions. Uh, I think it's I think it's kind of it's natural for us to do that just as people in general, right? Um, and what we got to do is we got to get better at asking questions. Sometimes you know assumptions can be killed by just getting you know a little bit more information and communicating. And Marcus, so, you look like you look like you're ready to go in. No, so so I, I keep looking back at the question. The question was, what dictates how people receive my emotions? That was the question, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. So, so what if a uh, what if a, a person didn't have sex last night with their wife? That could influence okay. how they receive my question. What if they just absolutely just negative? Period. That can determine, mm -hmm. but I can't control that. <laughs> That's I right. often I often say that we can't dictate how people receive us. We can't dictate how people hear us. So I'm not going to worry about it. Now, mm. I, I try to be mindful. I try to be considerate. But at the end of the day, hey, that's between you and what you've heard. Now, I don't know what you've dealt with. And that's one of the reasons that I try to stay around an eight for the most part, because, hey, I don't want to get caught up in your mind. Because yeah. I may get caught up in your mind. If you can't deal with it, I sure can't deal with it. I'm not the doctor. <laughs> and so that's that's beyond my space. But I try to focus on, I do a lot of reflection on my communication. Uh, there are times at work that I try to smile because my resting face may not be as pleasant uh, without a smile on it. And so I have to do that because I'm a 6'6 six, six brother, uh, six feet, six uh tall brother man weighing 250 
And so some people are just naturally afraid of my skin tone, mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. Not knowing mm -hmm. that, man, my heart is out here to help people and to uh, be able to see people smile and, and happy and be fulfilled and being overcomers. So you was talking about your those things that made you happy and giddy. Well, for me, it's seeing other people happy. I'm yeah. a natural resolver. I'm a natural resolver. You know, so me seeing someone that's heartbroken, that's hard for me. Me seeing somebody allowing uh, roadblocks that they are afraid to attack, that hurts me. But I, what, what can I do about that? Mm -hmm. And I, you can have the best, but you can't dictate how people receive you, unfortunately. But, you know, that's, I want to go back and say, this is society for us. What they put that's on right. television, what they, the things that they have selected to show, <laughs> that's yeah. society. That's society, because if you got to know us uh, individually, then you would know, man, they are right. Not everybody's yeah. bad. You know, everybody got something they're dealing with. Everybody, we ain't perfect, but uh, it's okay. <laughs> Not as bad yeah. as they told the story. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's right. You know, like I said, you jump to conclusions. You, you, you know, you make the wrong assumption. You, then we start to formulate these own narratives in our head uh, about each other. And like you said, Marcus, uh, we got to learn as man that, you know, I can't control uh, what the next person is going through and, and what they're going through is really what's dictating how they're uh, receiving what I'm expressing, right? And we 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 will never be able to control that. But what we can do is we can ask questions, right? We we can we can uh, not jump to those conclusions and not try to make those assumptions, but just get better or get you know create a better habit or routine of of asking questions when uh, when we read the room, right? When we either feel ourselves reacting in a certain way or see the next person in front of us reacting in a certain way, somebody's got to intervene and, and, and start to ask some questions so that we can try to, you know, bring the energy down. Uh, but yeah, man, good stuff, man. Did anybody else want to chime in on that, on that question? No, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Okay. So uh, to rephrase it for me, just so I can make sure I'm understanding it. So the question was, uh, and 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 I I took it as a question to society. The question was, what dictates how you receive my emotion? Oh, man, I say what uh, dictates how I would receive it would basically be, you know, my own past and how Absolutely. you know whatever issues I've come with, you know. If you come up, we all got our own biases. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if you come up to me and you might be tired a little bit, so you you know you're a little slump. If somebody who grew up and you know whenever their dad got tired, he got mean. You know that might be on it, just mm -hmm. off a of, you know natural reflex. So mm -hmm. yeah, that, that's my answer. Got you for sure. Z, did you want to chime in? I'm, I mean, as far as like, you know, at times, like, let's say you said as far as how I dictate my emotions or someone else, like, like, you know, I think the question, the question, I think uh, when, when we came up with it, it was it might have been more rhetorical, but uh, it was a question for society 
um, you know, and, and, you know, it was kind of piggybacking off of emotions, the showing of emotions being a weakness or a strength. Uh, and then so we went into the next question. Well, what dictates how you receive my emotion? Right. Um, so if you if you have any thoughts on it, man, you can give it to us. I mean, you know, as far as, you know, I'm just more so speaking in general, you know, so as far as men neglect to show their emotion because they're afraid of the repercussions of the situation, you know, so. Yeah, that's at times, you know, we try to avoid a lot of times of really saying how we can really express our emotions because we don't want to give out that impression like, oh, we weak, we're weak, right. um, get that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of, and you'd be amazed, like a lot of, like I see on social media with the people, they make particular statuses and stuff like that, like, oh, if a man do this, if a man do that, you know what I'm saying, and then, when they when they come about with the status like why do men show emotions i mean look at all the things that you're saying right now like we really yeah. of doing a lot of things so that's why i try to just kind of keep my mouth like I, I like i said i've grown to be older to pretty much show how to just cope with everything so in regards to that you know i have pretty much a lot of methods to just like carry my emotions till I find that right individual I can pretty much vent to. So, mm -hmm. yeah, and that that that'll bring me to my next question. Oh, did somebody else want to chime in? Well, I was gonna say, kind of just piggybacking off of Z. You know, we share emotions with those who we trust. Yeah, and that I'm was sure gonna be my next question. I was gonna yeah, I was gonna ask who who do we who do we express ourselves to? As yeah, man, as black man. Yep, yeah, those God. those who we trust, uh, for the most part. You take it to God, he ain't gonna come back on you. Uh, you know, but <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you share it with those that you trust that there will be no negative repercussions. Mm -hmm. So even mm -hmm. even as even as a man that's been married for 22 years, there's some emotions I won't share with my wife. Mm. There's there's some things that you keep to yourself until you're in a space because we're trying to steady grow and develop. There's some things I just may not share with her. And that's nothing against my wife. It's right, just right. some things Sometimes I need to take to. Sacred. Yeah. So, and some things I need to some things I need to just kind of let um, I need to let work itself out. Because maybe it's a mm -hmm. non-factor. Maybe it's something mm -hmm. that's just playing with my mind that I don't want to pour her in. Mm -hmm. See, uh, we have to we have to be mindful of who's asking the question and the reason that mm -hmm. they're asking the question. Because if we believe that that question is the the response to that question is going to be used negatively against us, why would we share that? Mm -hmm. Why would we share that? We we wouldn't. You know, so um, we have to have space. And thank you, bro. Thank you all uh, that are on this panel, man, because how else a brother's going to share it? Mm -hmm. I believe it was Jay-Z that said in one of his quotes, who do you go to when you're at the top? Mm -hmm. When you're the head, hey, when you the head, I don't, I don't care if your wife is bringing more in the house than you. But if you're the head, mm -hmm. you're the king. Mm -hmm. who, do, who do other kings go to? Mm -hmm. We go to other kings. <laughs> We yeah, go to yeah. those that will be able to to be able to to handle 
and help carry that load just by sharing a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, people may have input, but everybody ain't a king. Mm-hmm. There are times that queens have information for their kings, but at the end of the day, it's on the king. Mm-hmm. I I'll definitely digress. feel that. No, no, no. You good. You good. I definitely feel that, man. Uh, especially, you know, like you said, that there, there are certain things, and I'm the same way, man. Uh, there are certain things that uh, I may want to process mentally on my own without without sharing it with my wife or one of my other loved ones. Um, and you know, I think that sometimes, man, that 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 does, you know, that can create some negativity while you're trying to avoid negativity because people sometimes take it personally that you're not sharing particularly something that you might be going through. Right. Um, but like you said, we, as man, you know, we, we do express ourselves to those who we trust. And one thing I do know about me while at the same time that there may be certain things that I don't express to my wife, man, my wife get the whole load, you know? So the things that I do, you know, that's who I trust the most. With, mm-hmm. with, with my emotional state of being, right? It's my partner. Right. She's my partner in life, right? So, um, you know, it is it is a dynamic that it, that does exist. But we express ourselves, man. We do. We have these certain spaces, man, that we can do this in. Right now, we we capture them. We record it. We doing it in this podcast in this in this format. But I think that we've been doing this for years, man. When you go to the barber shop, uh, we sit down as men and we have black men. We have conversations. Uh, in certain spaces, you know, when we hanging with the frat brothers, hanging with the homies, yep. uh, there are certain conversations that we do open up, um, you know, with those that we trust. So I, I definitely wholeheartedly agree with all of that. And my, yeah, my and, go ahead, and, Z. And just with me, you know, like I said, like I'm not gonna throw her name out there, but there is one particular woman that I can pretty much venture because we can relate to the same issue. Like we both lost our mother and stuff. So in regards to that, you know, that's the person I call my PIC, you know, I say my partner in crime. So mm-hmm. it's just, you know, if I'm feeling down, it's just like, okay, let me go. I'm about to reach out to her. And and it's, it's mutually understanding. So I never can have that feeling to where if I express my, my way to her, it's not going to get to nobody else because she mm-hmm. does the same with me. Because it's, it's pretty much the situation is more so relatable. So, yeah, and um, like I say, it's just basically, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm I'm pretty much getting more so open-minded to reaching out to people with my stories to pre- pretty much help them out in regards of sh- showing emotion. Because that's something that I used to lack as I pretty much got into my adulthood. Just sharing, you mean sharing your emotions with, with, with people in general? Say what? I said you, you you went like you said you this is something that you're getting better at. You meant like just opening yeah, up I'm, and sharing I'm, I'm, in general. It's 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 it's, it's a growth, you know. Yeah. So I'm pretty much like I said, it's it's more so a, a crease feeling for me to be able to to be be able to reach out to particular people with my story because I want to see people to get better. I want to get better. I want to see other people to get better. So yeah. Question about who, who you reach out to, my yeah. my loved ones, and I would say as a therapist, I have my own therapist. I would say if you if you go going to see a therapist, that's one of the first questions you ask. What do you should ask a therapist? Do they have a therapist? Have they worked through their stuff? Because if they yeah. haven't, 
then I mean, it takes it takes. There's a certain vulnerability that comes to sitting on the other side on that couch, and I'm mm-hmm. happy with it. So I, I would say, like you know, if you're you know, like a magic Don said, like hey, stop being a bitch and go to therapy. Like it's it's <laughs> necessary. It, it is ne- I, I swear, put that on the shirt, bro. Like that is it is necessary. Yeah. <laughs> you wanna you wanna have a space to have a space in general. Like whether it be your friends, your boys, the barbershop, therapist office, all those kind of spaces, because uh, I think all those can work in other. Like whether it be past yeah. where you have a, a place where that armor goes down, you have a place where you can be known. I think a lot of times we talk about this armor and being tough and being hard. We don't allow folks to, we don't allow ourselves to be known as fully human. You know, yeah. Um, one of the, you know, one of the things I say to folks. Um, in the midst of their grief, because I've sat with folks in the midst of some of their worst days where they lost someone to homicide with the balloon release with the candlelight vigil. And normally Damon, uh, the, the director of Ad Hoc, will send me to, to the young brothers that are over there off to the side. And typically there are always a group of young brothers off to the side, not talking to nobody, not saying nothing to nobody at all. And when I go over there and talk to them, they say, well, I can't, you know, I, I can't deal with this. Bro. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. We're going to do this. We're going to get the guys who did this, whatever else. And they say, I can't, and a lot of them say the same thing. I can't even cry. Or they say, I ain't supposed to cry. And yeah. I, asked them, I asked them, you know, sometimes they, they're, they're, if they happen to be in a faith, I'll ask them, hey, you know, what do you believe? You know, they'll say, well, yeah, of course I, of course I believe in God. Well, that's okay. And I'll, I'll be rhetorical sometimes in that short moment and say, hey, uh, John 1135, you familiar with 1135, you familiar with it? They're like, nah. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Now think about that. Mm-hmm. Think about that. You're talking mm-hmm. about like this idea that someone who had all power that also weeps. He literally mm-hmm. was going to raise Lazarus from dead moments after that verse was, was you know, stated, and yet he still wept. We can allow ourselves to be human and see scary shit on a regular basis. If any of y'all live in the same hoods, you know, like you see a lot of scary shit. You go through yeah. a lot. Of is now having a space you have you can cultivate a space where you actually like as a man can you cultivate a space where it's actually okay for you to fall apart mm-hmm. because we do a lot of like being hard trying to keep it together and that's understandable yeah. Yeah, given certain context absolutely you definitely want to keep it together but you also got a place to have have that place to fall apart too as well and have someone care for you and it, Sometimes it always can't be your partner. Sometimes it always can't be your wife. Sometimes it always, but you want to have a community of people. That you're That's able right. To say, yeah, I, hey, if I tell you, if you find a space where somebody can ask you, how are you doing? You can answer fully, honestly, and say, yo, how you doing? I'm actually kind of fucked up right now. That is really, <laughs> yeah. really important because if you, if you don't have a space that you can say that, then all you're doing is carrying all your pain by yourself. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not mm-hmm. around you're still carrying it by yourself. And I think that is, you want to talk about the quickest way to tank your whole nervous system and tank your whole emotional system? That's it right there. Because some of this shit, I actually scratched it. Scratch that from right. A lot of this shit is too heavy to hold by yourself. You need community. Yeah. Like, I, I yeah. think when it comes down to a lot of the guys who find themselves in situations where they're isolated, you can, you can grab a whole grab bag of like all mental health diagnoses. And they'll say, these get worse if you're isolated. And unfortunately, yeah. society has forced us into a situation where to survive, we have to be isolated. And in reality, mm-hmm. that's actually the thing that's going to help us heal in the community. Yeah. 
Marcus, did you want to chime in? Look like you look like you had some. Oh, um, quit, quit, so, quit trying to pull me off in that, man. I'm just agreeing with Brother Rogers. Okay, uh, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, we're, my bad, we, my bad. Hey, we're we're not putting this world to uh, survive on our own. We're just not. Yeah. We need we need somebody else there uh, for that. And un- unfortunately, the world has gotten some people to a point where they can't trust anyone. But what that does, it helps to diminish us even that much further. Uh, once you've been hurt once, no one wants to be hurt again. And so, uh, therefore, I believe men begin to hold things in. And, you know, they'll share it when it's the right time. Um, but, yeah, you, you can't do this thing on your own. You, you just can't. That definitely, um, I definitely agree with that wholeheartedly, man. And and that kind of takes me in into the last question uh, that I'll ask. And it's not even really a question. I think we've already answered the question. The question was, what can we do now to reconnect and open up? Uh, and I think that we've already kind of answered that. Uh, like brother, the brother Roger said, uh, and and I believe this, man, a thousand percent. It takes it takes a community, a combination uh, of, of of different. Uh, sources that you have, you know, uh, so so your circle is important, right? Uh, the people that you, you know, uh, that, that have access to you, as I like to put it, the people that you give access to to your life, uh, that, that close circle, man, has to be uh, supportive, has to be somebody that, like, like Marcus said earlier, uh, I'm not going to tell you how I'm actually doing if you can't help me with my situation. Right. So you got to surround yourself. In my in my opinion, you need to surround yourself with folks uh, that that are uh, somebody that you can lean on uh, and that there's a level of mutual support there. And those people, uh, they can they can look different. It can be your mental health therapist from a professional standpoint, uh, your family and your loved ones. Uh, hell, uh, me and game type, man, you know, we, we, we part of a gaming community. Right. Um, so so my gaming homies, uh, whether they realize it or not. You, you, you contribute a lot to my mental health and well-being, right? I think that the, the people that you have access to, there needs to be a combination of folks that you have where if you need to go to these dark spaces, take the arm or take the mask off, you got some folks that you can call and do that, do that with. So I do think that it takes a community um, and we got to be encouraging, right? Just as black men, because not all of us have, have, have come to this uh, mental mental state of of believing in the concept of mental health and and uh, us just being supportive of each other, man. Like there was a point in time, uh, I know as a teenager, where you know if if I heard a, a brother tell another brother that, "Hey, man, I love you, man," you know, I would look at that in a certain way. But now that I'm older, I, I feel like, man, we don't tell each other that enough. So you know, when whenever it do cross my mind, I want to tell I tell my brothers, man, hey, bro, I love you, bro. You know, so so it's go ahead, go ahead. I ain't gonna I ain't gonna get nah, on the soapbox. So I think y'all feel where I'm going. Because it's yeah. funny. Because it's funny. I used to feel this way because the people that I grow with, you know, what I'm saying that when when you say I love, them, like, oh, this is great. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Now that we're more so mature, it's like it's a habit. It's like, hey, man. I just want to just randomly tell y'all, you know what I'm saying? I love y'all. And it's, it's and then the energy comes back, bro. I love you too. Because yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm in a group chat with the dudes, because I'm from the 30s. I'm going to just throw that out there. So it's like yeah. a group chat with particular cats that I grew up with. So 
And I'm like, hey, I just want to randomly tell y'all I love y'all. You know what I'm saying? And I have a habit of asking, how's your mental? And, you know, we express that, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're from, you know, a lot of traumatic events that happened literally on my my blog, my blog. Like, I had a best friend that got shot, and now he's, like, paralyzed for life in a wheelchair. But he's so mm-hmm. optimistic now. So, and then, you know, I got another best friend, you know what I'm saying? You, you know him, uh, you know, Renault. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He, he's an actor. We encourage everybody. So it's just randomly, and then they don't take it the wrong way. Like, hey, I just want to tell y'all, I'm proud of y'all, and I love y'all. Yeah. And we don't tell like, each other that enough, man. It's like we've been we've been afraid, man. We've been conditioned, uh, like 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 we talked about at the beginning of the show. We've been suppressed, um, you know, to 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 a point where. You know, there was just certain ways we just didn't express ourselves to each other, man. But the older we get, man, I think that that's our responsibility, man. We got a lot of uh, a lot of weight on our shoulders, man. Just us taking the steps that we taking with this project. Well, man, we got to encourage that, man. And, and so it is it is very important for you to keep a tribe. Right. Uh, you know, you, you, you got to feel the vibe of your tribe. Right. And, and you got to keep the right people around you. Uh, so that you can continue to grow. Because I do think that's the other thing that I think. I, I think that healing uh, is a daily journey. I think that every day your body has to rest, recharge, and heal. Um, and, you know, your brain, your heart, all of your body has to do that, right? So I think that we have to wake up and start all over again. Um, and as we grow, as we get deeper off into our healing journeys, Maybe some things won't trigger us as as worse worse off as they did at, at a certain point in time, but those things are still there and they can't trigger you. So you do got to rest, recharge, and heal, uh, and 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 know when it's time to you know take a break. So I was I was gonna share I was gonna share your your question, uh, and I'm sitting up here pondering what can we do now to reconnect and open up. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first things. Um, I believe we have to do is try to let things go. Uh, mm. If it's traumatic, it's already there in our psyche. And just because it's there in our psyche doesn't mean that we have to do any extra. It's, it's already there. So we have to don't give it no power. Don't, don't have to give it power. It's it's there. It's there. That's something that I'm learning, man. Like it's 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 been tough. That's probably been the biggest. The biggest thing that I have to continue to remind myself of, man, um, and you know, um, I, I, I'll spend just a couple of minutes here, and 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 then we'll start to wrap it up. But uh, you know, one of the one of the uh, self help books that I'm reading, man, always talks about the concept of uh, the only thing that really has power is your your present moment, right? Uh, the past is, you know, we're no longer in that moment; it has no power. The future hasn't happened yet, right? So we we do a lot of worrying. Uh, about trying to guess and predict what's going to happen if I don't do A, B, C, or D, but we're Mm -hmm. giving that more power than we need to. What really matters is your present moment, right? And and, uh, so that's something that I've been trying to, like you said, Marcus, man, it's it's hard, Um, but but I've been trying to learn how to let things go from my past that that, that sometimes I continue to give power. Yep. It's it's doable, bro. And I'm saying that from experience. so roughly about the age of 13 um grew up in west dallas texas grandmother lived 
two doors down from a family that killed her son. Hmm. This is my seventh grade year. I missed a whole school, uh, a, a whole week of school because of things that was in my head and just anger. Uh, killed them in the street. Family jumped on him. And so uh, had I not let that go, years down the line, so this happened when I was roughly 13 or so, 12 or 13, and as a, a little boy, man, this is, that's traumatic. <laughs> it's traumatic. Mm -hmm. You know, I rode through West Dallas now. I can show you where the blood was in the street. And so mm -hmm. this stuff continues to run through your mind. Mm -hmm. So a few years later, well, not a few years later, when I started working in the local school district, the family members that lived down the street from my grandmother was now going to a school that I worked at. Hmm. I could not have any, I would not have been Marcus Freeman had I held that over their head. And they probably mm -hmm. didn't even know who I was had they not gone and asked some of their older relatives or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I wouldn't be able to do my service to the community and to that family. And that's, that's hard, bro. <laughs> yeah. That's hard. I mean, this is somebody yeah. that you love and a family member. And now I got to sit up here and serve you because I'm in the line of serving people. I can't allow yeah. one incident in my past to keep me from serving people. If that's my passion, even when yeah. they cause you harm. Yeah. That you talk about hard, <laughs> but also yeah. you talk about doable. You talk yeah. about doable. You know, so yeah. uh, no, knowing the situation and knowing that I have experienced it, hey, sometimes that's the best teacher. And I've had to call on some powers that were beyond me because I'm vengeful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, for uh, sure. You know, so my, my whole point is saying that sometimes you just got to let it go, bro. I learned uh, how to go. And, and it's, it's don't give it power by acknowledging it. Don't give it power. By acknowledging it you got a calculator the old school calculators or even take your, your your phones if it's not responsive what do you do you throw it down and you go to the next thing but mm -hmm. if that phone is responding you keep it you got power mm -hmm. yeah you, got you power. gave it power yeah it's got power. It power yep so just ignoring it and uh you know letting it go bro that's one of the first things that we have to do and that's not an easy thing but it is doable for sure anybody else want to chime in before uh we get into uh, our fact check yeah the uh, thing i'll add on to that is it depends on like in terms of like letting things go um a lot of times when we talk about trauma we talk about the past intruding literally on the present so mm -hmm. I, I, as a trauma therapist i i have a slight beef of the term post-traumatic stress because it implies that the, I know it's talking about, you know, it's talking about trauma, this type of reaction that happened after trauma and everything else, but it also implies that like this past event is now just haunting you. But in reality, from a brain scan standpoint, it's literally intruding on your here and now. So it changes how you think, it can change how you emote, it can change what your sensations do. Your body really does believe that that threat is happening in real life. So we talk about like letting go. It's about the idea of trauma therapy. It's core is about stabilizing the person and allowing that person to allow that memory to float back to the past where it belongs. So that person can live mm -hmm. 
not in fight or flight or not in freeze. And uh, we'll get into it when we talk about the fact check. Uh, but like, you know, we have some one of the highest black black people and black men in particular, we have a lot, one of the higher instances of PTSD. Um, mm-hmm. And so when we talk about that kind of thought process, um, you know, the thing that things that are protective factors for like any mental health diagnoses are about like what resources do you have at that present moment? Um, because certain things have a higher incidence of of really traumatizing someone. And mm-hmm. so we talk about being traumatized I, and I understand like in colloquial sense in terms of how trauma shows up, like in, in our popular terminology, we think about, oh, this is a really emotional event. But trauma in of itself, it really does reshape how your brain functions at that moment. So we're talking mm-hmm. about flashbacks, nightmares. We're talking about mood shifts and how we think and things along those lines. Um, so the, the supports we offer to folks in that situation is like, how do I, I mean, I had many a soul come to me and say, how do I let this go? How, how do I do how? Yeah. How do I doing this? And, you know, what I want to tell you guys is like in general, like if you have any of those situations as a whole that, that are haunting you in that sense, where you're like, I can't sleep, all that kind of stuff. There are multiple different options in terms of like treatments. This is not like it was 30 years ago. We only got one or two ways to treat this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are, it really is a grab bag determining like which one help. I know, I know the ones I specialize in, but there are other ones that other clinicians specialize in. And I have a resource. When we get to that point, I have a resource for you guys in case you're looking for a clinician who looks like you. Because there, there's a whole collection. Yeah, let, you know, let's 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 get into it now, man. That's a good transition. So let's let's get into our fact check. Uh, this is a segment of the show where we want to share resources, information, any testimonials related to healing and trauma. But brother Rogers, you got the floor, man. Go ahead and uh take take over here, man, and, and uh take us out. All right. Uh, so the first thing I want to say is that, like, when it comes down to the stuff that's sitting here, is like, we as a people, as Black folks in general, we have a similar rate of mental health diagnosis as every other race here in America. Now, so people think, oh, we don't have this kind of problem. We actually do. Yeah, we actually do. We, we and like, like, like you don't say we have like different uh, ways of like naming it. Oh well, it's bothering my nerves. That kind of stuff. But identifying them is like, hey. This is something where my mental health is struggling right now. It doesn't mean you do anything wrong or anything bad. It just means that like you're struggling right now. The same way if I'm getting up and I got a cough or I got a cold or something like that. Same thing with our mental health. Sometimes you're like, oh, I'm not feeling well. I'm not feeling well. Now, the variable to this is once you dip below the poverty line in terms of like your mental health, that's an additional stressor upon your own mental health. And we actually end up suffering more mental health uh, concerns because of that. I stand to this and I will die on this hill that trauma, uh, poverty in and of itself is a trauma. We're going to buy a violent neighborhood. Even if you have nothing else traumatic going on in your household, just existing in an environment can be traumatic in that situation where you're like, okay, I have to go outside and think about whether I'm going to get shot today. And I know for me, yeah. like my yeah. mother said, he's from the 30s. The same, I had the same discussion with myself even as a kid when I'm walking to the basketball court over off Central. I'm like, you know, if they somebody go to their trunk, that means we got to start running. You know, if somebody take two yeah. two that hard foul, we got to go somewhere. So I mean, so we have we have a similar instance of mental health in our community. But the issue is, the issue is, is that between the ages of 18 and 44, only 26 percent of black men. Hispanic men also like for black men who who say they experience daily feelings of anxiety and depression. Only twenty six percent of them say they sought mental health services for. 
Mm. Now, now, why the hell is that? Now, I'm going to give some context to this article. If the APA does not get its context, I definitely will. Um, number one, um, finding a provider who looks like you is damn important. Like, finding mm. a provider who understands your background is so damn important. And I'm not saying you can't. I mean, my therapist does not look like me. Um, but having a space where you feel like I can be understood is a really big part of it for a lot of folks. So when they we do seek help, often we find ourselves wanting to find a you know a provider of our same race. Now there, there's not too many brothers in the field, like in terms of like yeah, practice. I was gonna say there there's there's a there's a lot there's a fair amount of us here in KC, but there's not as many of us as I would like them to be. I, I want my referral list for black male therapists to be a lot longer than it actually is. Um, mm-hmm. So with that. Um, a few years ago, I think it was, I think it was like right toward the beginning of the pandemic, uh, a couple of uh, social workers, uh, Meg and uh, Brittany and a couple of others got together and they decided to compile a database called the Color Collective, colorcollectivekc.org. Um, it is a collective okay. of therapists who we all sat down and decided to list our info on this website because we found that it was really hard to find a database of just black and brown clinicians. Mm. And for some folks, you know, just trying to trying to find a provider. If if I get if someone refers gets referred to me, they call me, they email me, and I'm like, oh shoot, I don't have space available. I got a dream team of therapists I can refer you to right away. Yeah. And the reason why I have that I never want somebody to get off the phone with me and say, oh my bad, I'm full. Best of luck to you. I want to give you a mm. number call immediately. So what they were so run that to, run that back run that back by us. What's the website where we where we can get that information? Colorcollectivekc.org. Okay. So and it, and and that's 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 for the Kansas City area, right? Or, or or have you guys expanded outside of that of that local area with with the database? Well, here's the fun part about this. Uh, saying is like you know, for a lot of folks who are, and you can find out where they're licensed. But for some clinicians, they're licensed in Kansas, and some folks are licensed in Missouri, and some okay. folks are licensed in different states. And with, I mean, I'm a virtual only therapist at this time frame. So for okay, for some folks, I mean, I've, I've seen folks who are as far east as St. Louis and up in Springfield, yeah. and like that too, as well, because they're like, hey, you're the only brother I can find who specializes yeah. in trauma and also has openings, you know? So that's dope. I, so I say, if you, if you find like, I mean, I've worked with folks who men coming off their lunch break and they just step in their car and take a phone call or I've yeah, seen you folks can do it virtual now. You can do things virtually now, man. So like if you find that you are cool with the online aspect and you're somewhere in Missouri or somewhere in Kansas, I mean, check the website. You can, you can, you can check and see if someone's licensed in your state in Kansas or licensed in Missouri and you know, they can do the intake. They can send you the paperwork and everything else. And you can find out, okay, am I looking for, you know, a person between this age and this age? Am I looking for a person yeah. who understands these dynamics? And, I mean, for me, I like to give away stuff for free in that sense. Like if somebody says, hey, I want to see Bert if you're the right clinician for me, I don't mind getting on the phone and having a 15-minute console with folks and saying, hey, I might be the fit for yeah. you. I might not be. I mean, like, there are certain areas yeah. I specialize in and certain areas I don't. So they're colorcollectivekc.org. They also have a Facebook page, uh, I believe. And um, I would say, you know, if you're if you're wondering about how to find a good therapist for you, I mean, come in, come into it like an interview. Like, hey, yeah. have, like, what do you specialize in? Who do you work with? Are you familiar with the dynamics in this? And 
if you're dealing with like like we all are, if we're dealing with not only the the issues behind living in a city that can be violent, but also dealing with like police brutality and things like that, ask those bring those questions directly to your therapist. Are you familiar with the dynamic? Ask if they have experience. Yeah. Ask if you have experience in that area. That is okay. Any clinician worth their salt needs to be able to answer that question. Like, am I familiar with that area? Can I treat that? And on top of that, like, am I doing my own work? I'd say the first question out of your face when you see your clinician is like, have you seen a clinician? Do you know what this feels like? That's right. Yeah. Because if they, if, if they don't, man, it, and this is my, uh, in my humble opinion, if a clinician has not seen themselves a clinician, then they don't know what it feels like to actually be, you know, cracked open on the couch and like. On the other side. That's right. On the other side, on the other side of right. that, man. It's, and it's really, really, really important. So I mean, that's, that's right. That's, that's the stats I got for y'all. Like, we do suffer just like anyone else does mental health-wise. It doesn't mean we're failing. It doesn't mean you lack faith. It doesn't mean that you're not trusting your, your creator enough. It just means, like, anything else, man. Just like I can catch a cold outside or somebody's coughing and such. The same way sometimes yeah. based on my family history. Like, for my family history, for instance, you know, two things running my family, depression and alcoholism. It's the reason why I don't drink, and it's the reason why I take care of my mental health because I don't want to have a scenario where I get sideswiped by my own family's legacy. So I mean, yeah. it's really it's really important to have, you know, those kind of conversations. And I would say for for anyone in the city who's experienced a homicide at any point, and unfortunately for us, a lot of us, that's a lot of us, ad hoc offers services for free. So if you experience mm. a homicide at any point in your lifetime, I, I, that's the first question I ask in my personal intake in my practice. I say, hey, you come to me and saying, hey, I can't afford therapy, bro. I don't know what to do. And go through ad hoc. You go, go through ad hoc. They do. They will see you for free 99 and they will see you for Oh, wow. Free. Okay. Yeah, you, don't, you, don't, nothing. you get the same services. People who are trained in trauma, people who are trained in all these different areas. Like it's, And you don't have to fool with like the administrative side of ad hoc. It literally just says, hey, that's just a grant that funds it. And it's a group of clinicians who are dedicated to helping our people. So like, I, I would say that, and for me myself, I can say as a clinician, I even though I don't have as many spaces open as I would like to, I do offer like, you know, I keep one free spot available every month for one client just in case, and I have five mm. low cost spots available too. I will, I work with folks with finances because we need we need the help, and I don't want to have it. I don't. I've personally decided I don't want to have, you know, the the therapeutic aspects locked behind some paywall. I don't want someone walking right. in and watching. Like yes, I will have my private pay fee where I can charge folks, but if there's mm-hmm. if I have skill spots open, if I have someone who needs the help, I can direct them to a bunch of different resources. If I can't help you, somebody else can. I ain't the only clinician on earth. No doubt, that's good information, man. Uh, we appreciate you, brother Rogers, for for that information, and I appreciate for everybody for tuning in tonight, man. I appreciate all of you brothers for hopping on the panel with us tonight uh, for this first episode of the Blacked Out Couch. Uh, we will be doing this uh, throughout the rest of the year. Uh, and again, um, you know, it'll be every other episode where you'll see us. So the next episode that you see, episode two, you'll see the panel of women. Uh, you know, we got to get a sister's daytime to come in and, and decompress and, and start their conversations. And I'm super excited to see, you know, what they come up with. So we'll tune in for that. So that'll be uh, a couple of weeks from tonight. Now, next week, what we'll be doing um is a clubhouse room so make sure y'all follow us on clubhouse at am publishing um we're gonna be doing a clubhouse room where we'll do kind of a follow-up conversation 
uh, with this, with this, um, you know, based off of this particular episode. And we'll do those follow-up rooms the same way as we're doing the episodes. So when we do the follow-up room next week, uh, the follow-up for episode one, it'll be basically man only. We'll allow women to come into the room, but we'll be very selective with giving them the microphone and allowing them to speak. And that same process will just kind of repeat itself going forward. So uh, I appreciate everybody for coming out. Uh, we will see you guys uh, in about a month or so. You know, uh, we'll, we'll have episode, the, the next episode for the man. But uh, stay tuned for episode two for the women coming up. And uh, I hope we heal. It was a lovely night, man. Y'all give yourselves a hand, man. We this, this took a lot, of, a lot of fucking courage and bravery, man, to get out here and take this first step, man. And I'm proud of us all for it. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I appreciate all y'all, man. It's an honor being doing this with y'all. Real talk. Same here. Same here, man. Same y'all. Appreciate all you fellas. Hey, Likewise, appreciate it. Peace and blessings, man. Peace and blessings. Appreciate it. Y'all stay in Karis, man. We look forward to seeing y'all next time. Absolutely. Hey, I love y'all. Right, y'all be sure out there. Love y'all. Take care, bro. Love you too, bro. Love y'all too. For sure. Peace out. Love you all. Know.